today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. For all those things, verse 2, my hand has made, <laughs> all those things exist, says the Lord, but on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. It's almost as if God is saying, nothing impresses me. You think that impresses me? I made that. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. How do you impress someone who has everything? Better yet, how do you impress someone who made everything? Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us what impresses God. It's not some grand treasure or someone who's close to perfect, but rather it's the one who's humble and meek and knows the fear of God. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah, chapter 66, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, so I have to confess that I've really been looking forward to teaching this last chapter here in the book of Isaiah, and chiefly due to verse 2. For me, it's the takeaway from not only the chapter, this last chapter, but arguably the entire book specifically related to God's people humbling themselves. And as we're about to see, it's the humble that God will see as He looks upon them and is moved by them. Actually, I... ah, I'm sorry. Don't you hate it when somebody does that? It's like, oh, oh, never mind. No, it's it's just that the Lord has really been impressing upon my heart as of late when it comes to humility and brokenness. Before we jump in, let me just say this and just leave it with the Holy Spirit to kind of bless it to your hearts. But have you ever noticed that when two people are humble, they don't argue? Let me try that again. I'll say the same thing in a different way. When you're humble, you're not arguing. And as we're going to see with James in our study, what causes fights and quarrels among you? It's pride. It's pride. I mean, let's talk about the husband and wife relationship, okay? The marriage relationship. How are you going to argue with each other when you're humble? I mean, how how long is that argument going to last? It's not going to last at all. That's the power of humility. And it's kind of a preface in a way, because as we're about to see, it's like God, God is saying, you know what I notice? You know what I'm moved by, what I'm impressed with? Humility. Do you know why that is? Have you ever asked yourself the question, the why question? 
It's because God is humble. God is humble. You ever thought of it like that? We know that He gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. The proverb says that He knows the proud from afar off. It's like, get away from me. Why? Because God is humble. Jesus, when He was here in His public ministry, in His meekness, not weakness. <laughs> Please, I, I implore you, do not make weakness synonymous with meekness. This is God incarnate, omnipotent God, all-powerful God in the flesh. And He was so humble, so meek, that children were attracted to Him. There was something about His countenance, His appearance, His demeanor that would attract you to Him. It's humility. It's humility. Humility is so attractive, and pride so repulsive. And really to me, again, this sums up the entirety of this book. You could sum it up in a word. Humility. Humility on the part of God's people. And that's what we're about to see. Verse 1, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. <laughs> Where's the house that you will build me? And where's the place of my rest? For all those things, verse 2, my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. It's almost as if God is saying, nothing impresses me. You think that impresses me? I made that. I mean, think about it. You know, in, in that day, the, the kings, the royalty would always have their throne, and they would have the footstools, and they would sit upon the throne. And God's like, you know, I have a throne. It's heaven. <laughs> oh, the earth? That's my footstool. I put my feet on it. And you want to impress me? You want to get my attention? You want to move me? That doesn't move me. That does nothing for me. You know what moves me? Humility. Now you got my attention. That's who I look upon on Him who, as Jesus would say, it is poor in spirit, acknowledging, readily admitting their need, contrite in spirit, this humility, humble in spirit. And of course, what always ensues is a trembling at the Word of God see it like this. I'll say it like this. You're hanging on every word. When I'm humble, when I'm needy, when I'm like this, I'm looking to Him in my need, 
hanging on every word, nay, even trembling at his word. That's the one that God looks upon. That's the one that moves the heart of God. And when you move the heart of God, you move the hand of God. It's the humble humility. Oh, would we but humble ourselves before the Lord. The problem is, is that we're all stiff-necked, arrogant, obstinate, stubborn, full of ourselves. What, what does pride say? Pride says, I don't need you. I don't need God. I'm better than you. I'm more important than you. That's pride. I have no time for that. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> Reminds me of a humorous story when my wife and I were first married. She uh, had a co-worker that was a flight attendant. She told her this story about this uh, flight attendant was, you know, getting everybody seated. And this one just, I mean, arrogant guy was like, do you know who I am? And this was her response. This is so good. Oh, I wish I could have been on that flight. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't know who you are. And then she pulls the curtain back, you know, that separates first class from the rest of the people. And she opens it up and she yells in the back. She goes, does anybody know who this guy is? <laughs> oh, that's good. Hey, you know what that's called? And again, that's going to be in James. That's called getting humbled. You know, humility and humiliate are from the same root word. You know that proverb that says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up? Okay, I'm going to personalize it. I'm going to use it for myself, apply it to myself. This is how it reads for me and to me. JD, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, or He'll do it for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, He humbles the proud, and He exalts the humble. And again, please don't miss this. This is so important. The reason is, is because God is humble. God is humble. Verse 3. By the way, I, this, this chapter is uh, it's pretty intense, actually. So bear with me. I'll do my best with the help of the Holy Spirit. He who kills a bull is as if he slays a man. He who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck. He who offers a grain offering as if he offers swine's blood. He who burns incense as if he blesses an idol. Just as they have, and I want you to pay particular attention to this word, chosen, hang on to that, just as they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delights in their abominations, so will I, verse 4, choose their delusions. 
and bring their fears on them. Because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear, but they did evil before my eyes. And here it is again, chose that in which I do not delight. Now, why do I emphasize this word chose, chosen, choose, because? They've already made their choice. They've already made up their mind. They've already hardened their heart. They've already sealed their fate. And because of that, and even despite God speaking to them, even reaching out to them, they did not respond. Why did they not respond? Because they'd already made their choice. So you've already made your choice. I'm going to give you over to that which you've chosen. What did they choose? Delusions. Does this sound a little bit like 2 Thessalonians 2? That's because it should. When we read the Apostle Paul talking prophetically, yet future, after the Antichrist is revealed, the church is removed first, the Antichrist is revealed, and then because they've already made their choice, God says, okay, I'm not going to force you to choose me, to choose that which I delight in. Instead, you've already made your choice to do evil. You've chosen delusion. So I'm going to give you over to that which you've chosen. And we're told that God Himself sends a powerful delusion that they would believe the lie. Why? Because they already made their choice and rejected the truth. You've already made your choice. You've chosen to believe the lie, the delusion. So go ahead. I'm not going to force myself on you. You have free will. Free choice. It's your choice. It's your decision. And you've already made your decision. And your decision is for delusion. And that explains why so strong. Because <laughs> we're all prone to place the blame at the feet of the Lord. No. There's no one to blame but yourself. You know, even when you thought you were making this offering to me, that's what it was to me. Oh, you, you offered this sacrifice, this bull, that, that's how you see it? That's not how I see it. You're delusional, we would say. You're delusional. <laughs> You've chosen your own delusion. And I gave you plenty of chances. God is so long-suffering. <laughs> and He called out to them, no one answered. Why didn't they answer? Ah, oh, no need. When I'm humble, and again, trembling at the Word of God, the reason I tremble at the Word of God is because I'm humble. And conversely, I will not have ears to hear the Word of God. 
in my arrogance, in my pride, self-sufficiency, the antithesis of humility. I mean, God is giving them over to their strong delusions because they refused to hear. They shut their ears and refused to hear when the Lord called. They did not answer. They did not hear and instead chose to do evil. Verse 5, interesting, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. You who, here it is again, tremble at his word. Your brethren who hated you, who cast you out for my name's sake, said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy. But they, notice the contrast here, shall be ashamed. The sound of the noise, verse 6, from the city, a voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord, who fully repays His enemies. Oh, can't wait. Why? Why do you say that? Because this is an indictment on those who mock the true worshiper of God, those who tremble at His Word, and God is declaring, I'm going to have the final word. Go God. Can't wait. Have you noticed that we've long overstayed our welcome in this world, not our home? Your brethren who hated you, of course, speaking in the context of the Jewish people, but the application certainly is for us today. We shouldn't be surprised. Jesus, in fact, told us, warned us ahead of time, <laughs> they're going to hate you, okay? But the reason they're going to hate you is because of your association with me, and they hated me first. So it's a badge of honor. They hate us. We're the problem. You know that, right, Christians? We're the problem. To which I say, um, not for very much longer. <laughs> we'll get out of your way. We'll get out of your way. And then, you know what? After that, go ahead, do whatever you want. You can have this world. Just give me Jesus as that timeless classic hymn of old. So well said so well sung. Once we're out of the way, because we're in the way, right? And the restrainer's taken out of the way, they're going to be like, oh, finally, oh, you know not what you ask. Oh, now we can do what we've always wanted to do. Go ahead. Go ahead. But, there is coming a time where the Lord will fully repay. Because see, God keeps track. He's got very precise record keeping <laughs> in heaven. And everyone will be recompensed according to that which they have done and even said, I was thinking about this. In fact, I think he even mentioned it on Sunday. Do you realize that every word 
we will have to give an account for every word we ever spoke. Every post we ever posted on social media, that should be enough to delete your account. (laughs) I mean, every word, every deed, everything, it's all kept. And we will give an account. And for those who are saved, Jesus will take that account and say, paid in full. Paid in full. I I paid for that. Thank you, Lord. And then the next one comes up. What about this one? No, that one too. What about that one? That one too. Oh, I wonder if that's the reason why we're just going to be worthy, 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 Lord. Verse 7, before she was in labor, kind of turn a corner here, very interesting. She gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. (laughs) Who, verse 8, has heard of such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? Hang on to that. For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Shall, verse 9, I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery? Says the Lord, shall I who caused delivery shut up the womb? Says your God. Wait, what? <laughs> what's this about? Oh, come on, you know what this is about. This is about one of the most important prophecies in all of the Bible concerning the rebirth of the nation of Israel in one day. Who has ever heard of such a thing? How is that even possible? Wait a minute. Uh, Heaven's my throne and earth is my footstool. I can do anything. I can do that. I know you'd never heard of it, but I can do it. And I did. I did this. Verse 10, Rejoice with Jerusalem, and be glad with her, all you who love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all you who mourn for her, that, verse 11, you may feed and be satisfied with the consolation of her bosom, that you may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then you shall feed on her sides, shall you be carried and be dandled on her knees. As one, verse 13, whom his mother comforts. Interesting, not the father. The mother is the one that is the nourishing one that comforts. And God is comparing himself to the comfort of a mother. And he says, so I will comfort you. And you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. When you see this, verse 14, your heart shall rejoice and your bones shall flourish like grass. 
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as you learn some good things from the book of Isaiah. Did you realize that there are 39 chapters in Isaiah that address judgment and 27 chapters that point to God's salvation? How fascinating that this book relates to 39 books of the Old Testament, much about judgment of sin, and 27 books of the New Testament, pointing to Jesus as God's salvation for the world. Isaiah is yet another example of how God interweaves the old with the new, and how prophecies from old point to fulfillment of that later. Are you seeing the connections that God has written into these pages of Isaiah? If you're wanting to hear this message again or more like it, you can find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can learn more about the church this ministry is supported by, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. If you're not already plugged into a local church, we invite you to be part of our church family. If you're in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love for you to come visit us on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from the book of Isaiah. We look forward to the next edition with Pastor J.D. and the things that God has put on his heart to share from this prophetic book. Thanks again for listening today to In Spirit and Truth.